Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's going on, everybody? I'm here at NovaCare Complex. We're back in Philadelphia. I'm here with Mike Kay. We just spoke to Howie Roseman and Joe Douglas a day after we spoke to Carson Wentz and Zach Ertz and Jason Kelsey. And after just like months, it feels like it's been more than a year of like just speculation of what the Eagles are going to do in the draft. We're almost there. So it's about a week away. Um, we got a lot of information today, but I, I don't know if we necessarily learned exactly what the Eagles' plans are, obviously, because Howie doesn't really let on. But I, it, it, I think it was a valuable you know, it's, it's always interesting hearing them talk about like their strategies and how they approach these things and why or why not they do certain things while also still giving us nothing. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. The conspiracy theorist in me makes me think that they want us to think certain that things, they yeah. that they want a running back or they want a corner. Like for real, like that's the way way I took away see, from. That, I I kind of took the opposite away from that. I I came see, out of that thinking that. The things they said make me think they're not going to draft either of those positions. Right, but that was the conspiracy theorist in me. Oh, so you're saying like they're doing reverse psychology? Right, on us, yeah, but that's yeah. the reverse psychology. Right, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like you think it's like this double layered twist? Yeah, that they're pulling on you. I mean, for them to be like, oh, well, you always need a corner, or I mean, you can never have enough corners, or you know, just talking about the running back position in general, like talking about Jordan Howard as effusively as they did makes me think that they want it out there, that they love what they have at running back. And to me, that seems a little bananas, which if, you, if you're if you at home, you can spell that B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, we're so, we're going to get into all the stuff that you yeah. talked about in a bit, but... But I came out of it as a Game of Thrones fan, really just trying to connect piece, puzzle pieces <laughs> and, like, for Jumping real... Jumping to conclusions. <laughs> like, you know that... that um, the, the gif that goes around with the gif, the, the gif, gif, whatever. Who cares? I'm I'm not going to get in this debate. Uh, <laughs> That's what it is. Whatever. It, it, with um, says the guy who mispronounces everything wrong anyway. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> Zach Alphanakis can pronounce that right. Uh, where like all of like the 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 numbers and algorithms are like around his head. That was kind of what oh, I was. And the hangover, you mean? Yeah, and the hangover. Yeah. <laughs> You compared yourself to Zach Alphanakis now. We're off to a rousing start in this podcast. Yep. Um, but before we got into all that stuff, I wanted, like, the biggest stuff to come out of these last couple of days was Carson Wentz talking to us yesterday. Um, we, he's, he's only spoken publicly to the media uh, once since the end of the season. That was that locker room clean out day. And 
this was the first time we've talked to him since. You know, when when Doug Peterson talked to us in December when they first shut down Carson with his back injury, he kind of gave a timetable that it should take three months to recover. I think he probably regretted saying that right after he said it. But he said three months, and it's over three months now. And Carson Wentz's quotes yesterday kind of made it seem like he's not quite healed yet. He, he like, refused to, like, say that he was good to go. He refused to say that he'll be ready for OTAs. And I, it seemed like there's a lot of alarm uh, from Eagles fans on Twitter, and it's fair to, to feel that way because you look at last year at this time we were asking about his knee injury, which we didn't really get much info. We wound up not really participating fully in anything until the season, until when he, when he came back. I mean, he loosely limited a few times. There was a couple practices at training camp where he came back, and then they shut him down again. Um, he, he admitted that he understands the durability questions, but th- this whole thing doesn't help the cause. I think it's still too early to panic. We'll know once OTA start uh, next month if he's how he's feeling. But like, what, what was that, what was kind of your feeling when you came out of that press conference when he was talking about the injury specifically? So when Carson had the knee injury, even though he wasn't giving us a lot, he seemed a lot more confident that he was. You know what I mean? Like he was very passionate about how he wanted to get back and everything. This was a more kind of calm, chill Carson Wentz. It didn't seem like he was forcing the issue, you know. He, he even was like, I didn't expect you guys to ask me about this. I was right. like, okay. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he was a yeah. little, you know, I think the issue that Carson has and kind of what was brought up in that report a couple of months ago is he's very heady. Like, he's a very headstrong guy. And I think sometimes that can be a little abrasive. And I think that's how he kind of was with the knee injury a little bit. Um in this press conference, he was kind of going with the flow. Uh, we asked him, uh, NJ Advanced Media asked him, you know, what advice he'd give to a player who's going through a similar situation right now. You know, there's Ronald Darby, there's, there's Jalen Mills, there's a bunch like of guys. Fletcher Cox won't be. Fletcher Cox yeah. who had surgery on his foot. Like, there's a lot of guys like that. And he said, you know, trust the process, go with it. You know, not to be too Philly, but he, <laughs> he said, you know, go with the process. Every day is a new day. And I think that's a, a sign of maturity from him. Like, really thinking about it in retrospect, it's it's showing that he is not going to risk any further injury. He's going to go with the flow. He realizes this is out of his control. And I think that's smart. It also worries me, though... Like you said, Doug Peterson probably overspoke with the timetable, but either way, it's kind of worrisome. Um, I mean, it does make you feel a little bit better that Nate Sudfeld resigned and is going to be here for the whole offseason. In the building, yeah. But, yeah, man. God, this quarterback injury will not like I was injury. Say, what, what do you think we'll have an off-season press conference where we don't have to ask him about the previous season I, <laughs> serious I, injury? Like, it, it it stinks for the sake of Carson Wentz that he hasn't been able to like show what he did in 2017 really since he hurt his knee. Uh, so, uh, at what point do you think it's it's worth panicking? So, like, what, at what point in this process of the season, like, is it if he hasn't? played yet and it's training camp is it if he doesn't get any time in minicamp should they be worried like what, at what point in this process do you think it's it's reasonable to start being like okay this back injury is taking way too long is it minicamp this might be an un y- yes but this might be an unpopular thing I kind of go into it with the old coach that I used to cover Doug Marone's thinking where OTAs aren't really practices yeah. so I don't really care about them I care about mandatory minicamp. Yeah. If he is not on the field for mandatory minicamp, this is an issue. Like two two summers in a row not having that. I mean, is, we're talking problem. We're talking we're talking early mid June. Yeah. yeah, yeah, June, June. Yeah. You know, so like that's 
so that's from November. That's, that's a month before training camp. That's like eight months. Yeah, so, that's eight months since he. Well, we don't know when he suffered the injury. Right, yet. but since he was shut down. But by the way, Zach Ertz kind of had a slip of the tongue a little bit yesterday. He said how he had he he suffered the back and he was dealing with it early on. And I think somebody it looked it looked like. Uh, I think on the radio they were saying it, he got hit pretty hard on his back against like the Giants in Week Six. I don't know yeah, if that's yeah, like yeah. a fact or anything like that about when it happened. His production certainly went down after that. So it, it, if if it went from Week Six and he didn't get shut down until Week Eleven or whatever it was, I mean that. Well, you could see why maybe he hurt it a little more. Well, to that point, remember that he he was on the injury report with a back yeah, injury like once, and then yeah. he was removed. Yeah. Right. So. Um, Point being, this injury has been maybe going on for a little longer than we're right. like giving it credit for, which maybe makes it more alarming. Yeah, and I think um, I, I think you're not going to be able to. So here's the thing: if he's not on the field for mandatory mini camp, do you start do you start thinking to yourself, "Hey, we got to worry that if he's not there in training camp, Nate Sudfeld's going to take the majority of the reps, and that's a very big concern for me. He hasn't, he hasn't a single start in his career. Their right? quarterback room, if Carson Wentz is out of the equation, has thrown 25 more passes than you and I combined. Like, for real. Like, that's a thing. Um, and, you know, I know I heard that prior to free agency that they wanted to target a veteran. It seemed like a lot of guys were out of their price range. Um Tyrod Taylor for one, and, and also possibly they didn't want to lose a compensatory pick or whatever. Right, I think I think they played that pretty well. I think yeah. Tyrod Taylor, it was probably the one guy that made sense for them. You know, they could trade for some, but again, like it's concerning. Like it is, you're right, and I think he's always going to be one hit away, and you're always going to if he takes a major hit, you're always going to think knee back, you know. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes. I mean, really, it's it's one of those things with him, and he's going to have... proves that he's can make it through a sixteen game schedule. And I'll tell you this: he can't prove it this year by going through sixteen games. He he's got to do this consistently yeah, throughout his career. Season, yeah, you know what I mean. Well, so that that kind of has an interesting tie into the next topic I wanted to cover. Which so early this morning, like four a.m., uh, Russell Wilson signed his. I, I, I think it was technically past his deadline, but he signed his yes. like record breaking contract. I think. The four years that he added on average out to $35 million a year, that's relevant to Carson Wentz because, as we've talked about on here, every time a quarterback signs a record-breaking deal, the next franchise quarterback breaks that deal almost every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carson Wentz is in a unique situation, but the Eagles have like pretty openly talked about their – which is different for them. They've openly talked about their desire to get him to sign a new deal. Jeffrey Lurie and Howard Roseman talked about it. Wentz like, kind of like said, I would love to be here long term, which is kind of like a stock answer, obviously. But that was his whole press conference. To be yeah, with you. yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, ever since owners' meetings, I just had the feeling that they're going to sign him. If not before the season, maybe sometime during the season. Once they're, I already. He looks like the Carson Wentz that were. They, they, they've expressed utter confidence in him as their future. I, I feel like his he's going to sign his new deal before the end of this year. I'm not sure if he's going to break Russell Wilson's contract necessarily, but he's going to get closer to it, and his number is going to be bigger than maybe it would have been if Russell Wilson didn't sign this deal. So I, I think he's going to make $30 million plus a year. I don't know how much that will be guaranteed or what kind of stipulations there will be in there, but I, I feel like we're going to see him sign his deal before 2020. I agree with you. Uh, I, I believe I saw that Russell's making an average of $2 million more per year than Aaron Rodgers. Um Look, I mean, in the spectrum of, of things, I think 
Russell's starting to kind of tip. Russell's deal tips the scales to where it's like I don't know if the next guy is going to get that much money, but they'll get close. Mahomes will next year. Right, Mahomes will. He'd but be Mahomes, the one that breaks like right. the back. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think if Carson signed for thirty-two million you'd, per year, I think everybody would feel happy about it. The issue with Carson is. You've got to see him during training camp. You cannot sign him to a deal before training camp. I just don't. I don't think it's productive for either side, really, because you don't want to be lowballed if you're Wentz, and you don't want to be feel like you are making a poor investment if he continues to be limited. And uh, you know, you have a guy on a second year restricted tender, and you have a guy that you just signed off an AAF, you know, implosion. You know, it, it, professional bowler almost. Professional, yeah. Hey, so there you go. Um, <laughs> but, <Perez. laughs> yeah, but, but again, I, I think <laughs> I, I think you've got to be smart with this, and I don't know if you need to see him get hit before you do it. Um, but this back injury doesn't concern me. It's the overall spectrum of his injury concerns, yeah. and I think. Um, you can feel good about him now. I, I don't really care about OTAs. Like, I don't think they do either. I, I think, like, it's if just he's, time to get all everybody together. And right. And it's I, not mandatory either. Yeah, and I think you have Nate, you have Luis, and those can be your guys that take the reps. Who cares? Like, I, I don't but, mean to downplay it, but, like, yeah. well, it's not that's, that big. That's a good way to tie it into this next discussion about what we learned from Howie and Joe. Uh, a lot of There's been a lot of discussion about them drafting a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of... Both between what Jeffrey Lurie said to us and just listening to Joe Douglas and how he talked today, I, I feel like they're going to pick a quarterback yeah. on day three this year, maybe even the fourth round. I don't know who that'll be. There's certainly some interesting project guys. They ha- they just have to, especially, you know, the, as we're talking, I'm even just thinking, like, you protect yourself in the event that Carson Wentz suffers another major injury. And as of right now, all due respect to Luis Perez, I don't, I'm not exactly confident he'd, he's the guy you wanted your number two quarterback Heading into a season, at least, you need to bring in a guy to push Nate Setfeld to compete with Perez and, like, be that next guy. And, Nate, and I mean, and, and Howie said something very interesting to me. He said, or not to me, to us, uh, that, you know, getting Nate Sudfeld was like drafting a quarterback. Yeah. Which I, I thought was very interesting because you don't really look out on six-round picks the way Nate has performed and the way he's liked in the building and all that stuff. A guy that I like, it, it, there's two guys that I like in this draft, especially for them. Jared Stidham from Auburn and uh, Gardner Minshew from, from Washington State. I've heard rave reviews per, about their personality, about their leadership ability. I also think both of them would be very good in a West Coast offense. Uh, Stidham's probably going to be a fourth-round pick if they did go that route, but uh, Minshew's probably like a sixth or seventh. So, again, there's going to be opportunity there. I actually think the bottom of this quarterback class is not as far off as the, the top. Yeah, like it's it's those elite guys and then like the, the rest of them you can kind of clump together. Yeah, they're whatever. Yeah, it's, it's a weird quarterback class. I, I've mentioned Tyree Jackson, too. He's like a very intriguing like project mm-hmm. type of guy. Probably wouldn't be ready to play for a couple of years would be the thing. But so I mean, so let's let's transition out of Howie and Joe fully. So what what, were, what was another takeaway you got coming out of that discussion we had with them? They are willing to trade up, yes. and not only willing to trade it up. Sounds like they're going to. They don't give a fudge about uh, losing out on picks. If they have holes, they'll fill it the old-fashioned way and just sign or trade for somebody like how he likes to do. Yeah, it. it they left us with the impression that they wanted to trade up because how he said to add youth for the sake of adding youth makes no sense for us, which if you look at his 
trophy case and you look at their playoff history. Yeah, I mean, like, (laughs) the last three years have worked out. I mean, you can say what you want about the first year together where there was ups and downs. I mean, that was was a team team with a a rookie quarterback and a rookie head coach. Actually, after Joe Douglas because he came after the draft. Right. So, like, again... They've added guys from LeGarrette Blunt to Chris Long to, you know, Haloti all these guys. And they've been successful. Whether their individual success was great, eh, whatever. But I think Howie believes in his process, and he said as much during our time. I mean, one of the most telling quotes I thought, and there were like a few quotes in particular, and I wrote about this, but one where he... He said how we feel like we could play tomorrow. We, that's how confident he is in the roster right now. And obviously they're in win-now mode. That's not like a secret. But him him saying that just makes you think like, okay, he views it as we don't have a bunch of needs that we need to fill. So if there's a guy that we really like, if somebody falls or if there's a guy in reasonable distance, we can move up and get him and he can help us win right now. We're going to do it. We can we can give up a second-round pick and only wind up with a rookie or two in the first day, first two days. And that, that, that's kind of where I was like, all right, I kind of feel like they're either going to trade up or they're going to trade back. They're not going to stay at 25. He, he even another thing, it was in reference to a question about something he said a couple years ago in the pick Derek Barnett, how he kind of feels like there's a drop-off from the top 20 and then after that, talent-wise, which is, if you look at the history of the draft, that's accurate. And so, I mean, they're at 25 right now. 20 is the Steelers, 19 is the Titans, 18 is the Vikings, I believe, and then the Giants are 17. They're not going to trade with the Giants, most likely. It's not impossible. But that would be the range. You and I have talked about this. That would be the range I expect them to trade up if they were going to, and that gets them in the top 20. Maybe that gets them a guy like Cody Ford, who they were specifically asked about, or one of those defensive linemen. But I, I just he, – he also even said on the flip side of that, if they get to 25 in the, in the way they value the players, they feel like there's a guy they can get if they trade back five picks and add another pick, they would do it. And that's kind of like has gone into my argument of why I don't think they're going to get a corner because I don't think – if they're at 25 and the best player on the board is a corner, I don't think they stay at 25. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think the pressure points for me are 21 and 32. Uh, you know, two former Super Bowl winners. The Patriots have tw- a league-high 12 picks – and they need a lot of receiving help. The Seahawks have four picks and just signed Russell Wilson to a massive deal, so they need to surround need him rookies. with talent. Yeah, yeah, they need rookies, they need cheap contracts, and they need to surround him with talent. That is, Those two are like, scream, hey, we have a history with you. We traded Michael Bennett to you for Marcus Johnson and a pair of dish towels. And then, <laughs> you know, obviously the Patriots and how we have made a lot of trades. Um, and so I think that makes a lot of sense. Baltimore again, like I think they're 22. Um, you know, the Eagles have their second round pick. Do they want it back? Uh, you know, maybe you can swap a second for a third or something. Um those make sense to me. I, I, look, I think Howie's built a roster where he feels like he doesn't need to, to push for anything. I'm curious about who they would trade up for. I know Ed Oliver's like a very um, popular one. Local. Popular. Jonah Williams, to me, makes a lot of sense. He's done a lot of buzz as a top 10 guy in the last right. couple of days. Uh, a lot of people, uh, I believe it's Kellen Farrell. Cleland. Cleland, Cleland. I don't know. I don't know how they're pranked. I, well, I sure stumped Zach. Sure oh, Cleland. my gosh. I'm pretty sure it's Cleland. Okay, Cleland, like whatever. So, Farrell. Farrell. Will Farrell. Yes. See <laughs> uh, Farrell. Um, a lot of people think that he's going to fall. I'm not sure that's exactly I know. I think that's over-exaggerated, yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of people are really high on, on you know, 
Gary. Kristen Wilkins, Rashawn Gary. Yeah. yeah, Gary's a guy that I think could interest them as Brian a Burns. as like a Darren Howard, Michael Bennett sort of inside outside presence because they seem to dig that. Um, I don't think they would trade up for a linebacker. I don't think they would trade up for a running back. I think it would be defense tackle, defensive end, or offensive tackle. The one guy I'm I'm I am intrigued by, not because I think he's like the bee's knees or anything. But for two reasons. One, I think you'd have like the worst egg on your face ever. And corner. Yeah, and two, if you're going to trade up, you want the elite guy of the class. Greedy Williams to me, like seems like that sneaky guy. They have really shown an investment in LSU players in the past, especially defensively. It would be interesting to see how if they use the SEC biased and and he's a guy they like. He's not a very physical player. That's which, why I don't think he doesn't fit Jim Schwartz. Really. Right, right. But then again, you look at the tackling rates of everybody on this team outside of Russell Douglas and you're like, mm. so, you know, again. And Ronald Darby's a pretty bad tackler. Yeah, I mean, I, like to me, it's just it's very weird. Like, it depends on how much you I think Cody Ford, I agree with you. I think Cody Ford. He's the most interesting like in that in that eighteen to if you tra- range, yeah. right? Yeah, if you trade up five spots, Cody Ford, he should be your guy. If you trade back, the guy that I would target is Jerry Tillery. I think Jerry Tillery is a or safe. Even, or if he was gone, Chauncey Gardner Johnson would be the guy I would right. Have. And I think he's at, by the way. I saw Dar- Daniel Jeremiah had them picking Marquise Brown today, and he he he's usually pretty tied into things that are going on. At, I don't know. That that's an interesting idea. And he's basically uh, he worked for the Eagles. Like. Well, no, but Brown is basically Deshaun Jackson coming yeah. out of Cal. So yeah, that is kind of intriguing. I mean, they would just have weapons all over the place, and it'd be fun. He'd probably be their main returner as a rookie. Yeah, uh, that, that feels like a weird pick, though, unless they really, really value him. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a pretty. He's coming off a uh, um, Liz, Liz Frank, Frank, right? Yeah. Uh, which he's healed supposedly, according to his uh, according to reports. Which I think is important. He is the one wide receiver that would make sense to me because he can stretch in the, the first field. round. Yeah, yeah, he's the guy that can really stretch the field. And think about this: you're running twelve personnel, and then you have Brown and Jackson on the outside. You might have to have safety help for both of them, like. Damn, that's scary. If you're if you if you're the if you're in the box or if you're covering a tight end, that is scary. I mean, and and in theory, that protects them against Deshaun Jackson finally aging out. And two, he pretty rarely finishes a full season, mm-hmm. uh, so it protects you. And you lose your only deep threat. You have another guy ready to wait in the wing. So it it, it makes some level of sense, but it just, it doesn't feel like something the Eagles would do. I also think he's going to be drafted earlier. I think he goes. Yeah, he tomorrow. feels like a guy that maybe even will be overdrafted a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you kind of referenced this a little bit when you were making fun of me uh, about how I would have egg on my face, but they did talk a little bit about their defensive backs and how they feel about this like class and all that stuff. I know how he said that you could never have enough cornerbacks, but he also followed that up immediately by pointing out that they brought back Ronald Darby and pointing out, you know, all the guys. They were really happy with how the way the guys played at the end of last season. Um, I took it more as, like, we want to play all of these guys less as much as we're, we're going to go out there and draft a corner if he's available. I agree. Um, a lot... I've, I've, like, gone... It's, all, it's like, a bit now I, I'm doing. Like, I, I don't 100% think that won't pick one. Like, I'm not... Like I'm not. There's only a couple positions they absolutely won't pick, and that's tight end, quarterback, and like punter, kicker, maybe a long snapper they'll pick. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. This draft. He's got a great personality. <laughs> They're big on personality here. But number one, I don't think this cornerback class is that great. I know Greedy Williams is like the, the guy that everybody keeps pointing to. It's like if he is there, I don't, yeah. I don't even know if they would get him if he was there. Honestly, but anyway, the point being, they talked about a lot about how 
much they love these guys. In particular, Sidney Jones I talked about a lot. They were specifically asked about him, of course. Mm-hmm. But both Joe Douglas and Howie, you know, commented how we looked at that first year as his that like, year, yeah. just wash it out. Last year was his rookie year. They thought he played really well, especially I think they pointed out the Colts game. I think it might have been the one where he had like a really good tackle where he yeah, was like he played crawling ni- or whatever. Yeah, he played nickel and was yeah. really good. He showed flashes, but the problem was he wasn't like finishing a lot of the games. Right. That ultimately is what it comes down to for Sydney. I don't, I don't know if anybody actually questions his talent. I think it, it mostly has come down to his, you know, he's as thin as glass. Like, yeah, I'm anxious to see if they had him at bulk because that to me is an issue. Yeah, I'm not a doctor, but I do. I mean, Obviously, you know that. You're not a doctor? No, <laughs> I could have yeah. sworn. Uh, I mean, another thing to think about, like, this is a young kid who tore his Achilles, and he had all this other lower leg stuff. Like, that's a that's going to be a dash. You're 20 years old. You're on your own. I'm sure it was a dash to his confidence. I'm sure he needs to build that back up. The Eagles coaching staff is good about doing that. This is going to be, I don't know if make or break's probably extreme, because as they pointed out, Brandon Graham, Nelson Aguilar, it took them at least Brandon Graham took a while. Nelson Aguilar, it wasn't until was it that his fourth year when he started playing real or third third year, the Super Bowl year. Oh, Aguilar, yes, yeah, yes, third, third year. So the, some of these guys take longer to develop. You know, Sidney Jones had a had a lost year, so he was already behind the eight ball a little bit. He's it, it's worth I, like I'm I'm not necessarily saying I'm confident that he's going to become the player they thought he would because as of as of yet he hasn't really shown that, but. He has to be given a chance at least, and that's that's he's one of the main reasons why I don't think they'll draft anyone because he's they kind of still view him as almost their draft pick. Yeah, I mean, I think any I've said it before. I think anything you get out of him is you gravy, know yeah. it, it's gravy and it's a plus. But something else that I found interesting, and you know how he talked about getting the right people in here, he also talked about getting players, and he, that he didn't he he didn't want basically said he didn't want to put a a, a square peg in a round hole. He didn't want players that the coaching staff wasn't in love with on the roster. And there's a player in particular that I feel like that strategy has not played out. I'm not saying that they... Donald Humphrey? No. Well, yeah. Uh, But Rasul Douglas, like, to me, it just seems like there's a disconnect there. I don't know if that's a fact. It just... They seem... I mean, they didn't play him for the first half of the year last year. Right. I mean... Like and the quarterback all. pay was bad early. I mean, Darby was fine, but I mean, Mills you, we've was... We've talked about... We've mentioned this... Multiple, like, we yeah. ranted about this. At, I think we were in London when we were ranting yeah. about it. Like, yeah, I was... Like, it just, like... It, it, it furious from a mental aspect because it's, it's like... Little... You're trying to cover this... This this event, and it's like... Where's the logic? It's just... It, it's well, mind And I, I think it proved our point in that, you know, he was slow to start out at first, and mm-hmm. then he got really good at the end. That's why you play and, him all and year. That's, that's what I'm saying. You... you He's rusty if you're not playing. Like he, right. for, for the 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 first game he played significant snaps. They played him at safety randomly, and then they never did that again. Like right. they were kind of the push and pull with him. I don't, who knows like where that's coming from? But I think you and I are both higher on him than it seems like the Eagles coaching staff is. But we'll we'll see if that holds true. If they like use the film of what they have on him from last year, this quarterback situation is one of the most inter- interesting things going into this offseason, though, especially not knowing Darby and Mills' health. Right, and and circling back to another intriguing thing, let's say they take Marquise Brown. Are they trading Nelson Aguilar on day two? 
I think I think you have to. I think I don't you, know. I don't think they do. You're, you're dedicating no, over nine million dollars to him. I know, they have the, like one of the most expensive wide receiver groups in the right. League. And you're probably you've got to get Marquise Brown on the field if you're going to draft him number one. I mean, you don't have to. The thing but is, like, I'm not sure how much value you even get for Nelson Aguilar at this point. No, maybe you get a third round pick. I don't know if they get that though. That's that's my thing. So you swap a fourth. You know, I don't that's know. A, I don't do think something. they're just going to get rid of him for the sake of getting rid no, of him. No, they shouldn't. But like, if you're actively planning to replace him, maybe it's time. But Brown feels more like a Deshaun replacement eventually than Nelson, though. Yeah, but Deshaun's basically got a two-year deal. I, I know. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, know I know what you're saying. I'm that's why this is, we're kind of explaining why the Marquise Brown pick doesn't really make that much sense, honestly. Right. But I don't know. That, that'll be kind of like the looming thing because they have they can't cut him now. And right. if a team comes in with a good offer, I think they would take it. But if, if they do draft a receiver, then, yeah, it, I'd be, it'd be hard to think that they plan on keeping Nelson Aguilar very long. Um what, do you got any other takeaways from that discussion? I mean, they talked a little about offensive line. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they talked about how high they were on Jordan Mailata, Matt Pryor. They, they didn't really, like, elaborate on the depth. They kind of transitioned to talking about the starters. Yeah, it was frustrating. It's pretty clear. Well, I think it's because it's pretty clear they plan on adding an interior offensive yeah, line. Yeah, oh, yeah. They really, really need to. Yeah, they, mean, don't have anybody, they don't have anybody with a game of experience as a backup on the interior right now. Yeah, it's really... Baitai's well, the only one in general and their backups have any experience. Well, that's why I get frustrated when you when you talk... Of, if you ever read an article... I've never written one. What's yes, like? if you've ever read an article <laughs> about an offensive lineman or them taking somebody, and let's say the article somehow ends up on, like, Facebook or in a comments section, and it's like, they got Jordan Melata, they're going to be fine, that's the plan, blah, 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 and it's like... Guys, come on! Like you have to, you have to hedge your bets. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. Left and right tackle are the second and third most important positions on offense. You've got to really protect yourself. And I just think it's they put it off for so long, finding that true blue heir apparent to Jason Peters. Now's the time. Just do it. Yeah, and that's kind of why I lean towards them drafting a versatile guy. Mm-hmm. Like a Cody Ford, like a Chris Lindstrom. There's a couple of Jonah Williams. I think is the best case scenario in terms of that. Right. A guy that can start at guard if either Sam Miles struggles or Brandon Brooks isn't ready this year. And then you like at, over next offseason, you train that guy as a left tackle to replace Jason Peters. I think that's the best case scenario. You get one of those elite guys in the first round, or you draft someone like a Titus Howard, something like that in the second round to right. develop to replace him. But I, I think we both agree to that. I mean, the fact that, like, we both were absolutely almost 100% convinced Peter was. If you would listen to our podcast from during the season, we're like, well, Peter isn't coming back. Like, yeah. Like, we, I mean, just like we. Jason were, Kelsey wasn't <laughs> surprised, though. <laughs> um, but yeah, if they don't draft a left tackle, that'd be uh, an error. So something just popped up on Twitter, and I avoided this whenever I reported it. I think you did too. There was some talk that Corey from from BGN. Uh, there was some talk that Corey Clement tore his ACL in 2018, but he said that's not the case. I never thought it was a tear. We always said that it was a major knee injury. Yeah, they never they never really said. What there was, it was no clarification on that, so I just want to put that out. Still makes me concerned about him for camp. But talking about run, I want to talk about running backs a little. Bit. Yeah, yeah, we briefly talked about. Yeah, it. so it doesn't sound like they need to draft a running back. It doesn't. I've been saying that. Right. But, but, I mean, I'm not saying I don't think they need to, but I've said I don't know if they will, and I still feel that way today. I mean, they've done a lot of homework on running backs. Then again, they've done a lot of homework on quarterbacks. I mean, they so. did a lot of homework on running backs last year, too, and they didn't pick Yeah, them. I mean, um, but I think I think they do need to add someone. Like, well, I'm not... But, they, but they, they're so confident in their ability to find guys as undrafted free agents or 
when the, after the the May seventh day passes, maybe they pick up a guy like a TJ Yeldon or somebody like or Corey Grant or like a low key guy. Uh, I don't know. I, I just kind of came out, especially the way they like went out of their way to. I mean, I asked Joe Douglas about Jordan Howard because he he scouted him in Chicago. He drafted him. Joe he gave one of the more detailed answers I've heard him give. Yeah, he was great. Uh, and then how he. And answering another separate question about the running backs, went back to his production over the last three years, which is kind of going to be their sticking point, I'm sure, when they explain why they've done what they've done, because he's the third most rushing yards in the last three years. Say whatever you will about Jordan Howard. He's second only two. He's third only behind only two players in the entire NFL in rushing yards, and that's a good thing to go on. So I, I agree. I, they need to bring in a pass catcher. I don't know if they're going to do that in the draft or they're going to do that in free agency or Terrence Proles, but I'll give you a guy to just look out for on day three. You probably already know him. He's a local guy. Rykel Armstead is a guy that they really like. From what I've heard, they've done a lot of homework on him. He's been clo- look. They like Miles Sanders, but I don't think they're. I don't think it's they're essential to second round. Yeah. I mean, maybe they do, but I, I doubt it. I don't think they're. I'd be pretty surprised. I, you know I what? Are you going to roll, roll in? Like yeah. Are you going to roll out another position? I already have one bit. I can't. Yeah. You can have two. <laughs> Rykel Armstead in that fourth round to me makes a ton of sense. I don't. I don't know if I see that. I, a guy I wrote about the other day that I like in terms of this role is James Williams from Washington State. He almost. He's not. He he still averaged like five yards a carry, but he was mostly in Mike Leach's offense. They pass every single play. Yeah. And he, I think yeah, I forget what the number was. He had like a lot of catches. And yeah, he posted like two hundred or something. Yeah. He's, so he's a guy that if he's there in the sixth round, and you haven't picked the running back, even if you have. Uh, he's intriguing as a guy that you can bring in, and then all of a sudden you have you can put Corey Clement back in the role that he thrived at as a rookie, which was the short yardage guy, occasionally breaking out wide. You let James Williams, a guy like that, be the pass catcher, and then Jordan Howard is the the other guy. The guy the, the, he concerns me a little bit though because he's undersized, yeah. and so I think you'll know that it's a it's kind of like Corey Grant in, in Jacksonville. You knew it was a passing play because and it was going to him because he can't block. And but there's the, the difference between the Eagles have all these weapons anyway. So right, that's true. Yeah. Uh, another guy that I really like is Tony Pollard uh, from yeah. Memphis. He's a guy that can play multiple Gad- positions. Gadget players is is something that was talked about today actually, and I yeah. think that's. Like the way the like guys like that probably wouldn't have gotten drafted a, a few years ago, but now like the what I don't know how to say his name. Olamide o- Zacchaeus. Yeah, I think I know is, you love him. He, yeah. He's a guy. He feels like a heels guy. Whether I feel like that's how you pronounce his name. I'm not sure. We <laughs> I, never know. With it's me. good that you're saying that. Yeah. you don't know though. Instead of like yeah, so yeah. To it. He, he's a guy that just feels like an Eagles fan favorite. He, he does. He's like he, even if they I don't know if he'll probably get drafted. I would think. Yeah, he's a Jersey guy. Like if really he falls like they add another sixth round pick or something to try and bring him in or something. I think he's probably going to be a sixth or seventh round pick. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. I mean, he's a like, guy that... Like, I mean, they traded up to get Melata last year, if you think about it. So if there's a guy yeah. they're intrigued by. Yeah, he's an interesting cat. He'll be at their uh, local day, which is tomorrow, Wednesday, I should say, if you're listening to the podcast. But, well, if you're listening to the podcast, then you actually heard my voice. Anyway, sorry, it's been a rough day for me. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I've been, up, I've been up since five um, on, on a Tuesday. So <laughs> another takeaway that I had, and I thought this was really an astute point by Jason Kelsey. So he was asked, I believe by Sal Pal, you know, you, you guys were, you know, a dr- seemingly a drop pass away from heading to the NFC title game. And Kelsey shot back. I would argue that maybe an injured right guard away from from a NFC championship game. If you look back at the divisional game, so they get up, you know, everybody knows they got up 14 nothing. It was one of the crazier starts to a game. Right. Seen, yeah. So, Brooks was injured on to, on the fourth to last play of the second scoring drive with like 6-11 left in the first 
quarter. They scored on a Foles one-yard sneak with 437 left in the first quarter. If you watch the rest of that game, they are stagnant until that final drive where Alshon dropped the thing. Drop the thing. <laughs> it is... It is abundantly clear how important Brandon Brooks is to this offense. He might not be ready for training camp. He's coming off an Achilles tear. But I think Jason Kelsey made a great point about that. We haven't, I mean, we talked about the divisional game quite a bit. It's not something a lot of people want to talk about. But I think when you look at Brandon Brooks' impact and how important he is um, to the right side of the line, I think his status is not as important as Carson Wentz, but I'd say that's the second most important thing. I care about him more than I care about Ronald Darby's status. I care about him more than... I, I think Fletcher Cox will be fine. You know what I mean? Like, I think Brandon Brooks is the guy that you really want to pay attention to. And even just, just real quickly, going back to that game, even beyond the Brandon Brooks injury, they had a bunch of guys who went down, and Fletcher Cox getting hurt, and he missed a, Like, he came back in the game, and he still played really well, but... He had surgery recently for his foot. He's probably going to miss OTAs. But th- that was just like kind of a, once Brandon Brooks happened, it was like everything was going wrong. Mm-hmm. They lost all the momentum. It felt like they were about to blow out the Saints in the yeah. beginning of that game. Um, I'm sure we'll, that that probably would be one of the last times you talk about that game, honestly, unless unless it comes up again. Yeah, but probably. We can end on that note. Uh, a lot of good info today. We'll, we'll try and get another podcast or two in before the draft. Oh, want to say this. Before we get into the, that dra- those draft shows – we got to come up with 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 a bet and a punishment for Zach if they do draft a corner in the first round. I will say this: here are the outliers. If they trade out of the first round, Zach's safe. Yeah, if they in the first round, yeah. right? If they trade into the top five, Zach is safe. Um, Imagine if they trade into the top five. Yeah. Uh, I would say we're all safe. I'll join in on the bet because I don't think it's fair to just poke fun at Zach, even though all he does is point out when I'm wrong. Uh, so we'll think of something for me, but I want you in the comment section to post what Zach's punishment should be, and we'll figure out the best one. Don't it can't be too you know big or or something that messes with his workflow. Make it realistic. <laughs> like I was thinking about we 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 shave him at, to make him look like an etch a sketch. Uh, too hard to say that. Yeah, it's too hard. I also yeah, thought I'm about touching my beard. I've been working I, really hard on it. I also thought we should paint him purple and have him attend an Avengers. Uh, Can't do that because we're coming to the Eagles facility that day. I'm not doing that. Bring a scrubby or whatever they call it. Can't affect my work. Uh, <laughs> I also thought about getting a fa- the face of uh, a former NJ.com beat writer and having him wear it on a shirt. To training camp one day, we'll we'll see. Give us your give us your suggestions, and we'll figure it out. <laughs> All right, yeah. Send us your ideas. Leave us comments. Uh, write us reviews. Subscribe to the podcast. Thanks again for listening. We'll 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 hit you guys up again soon with uh, some draft episodes. Thanks.